I've always enjoyed being around people. And, uh, well, I guess Vegas kind of, kind of, you, you get your Vegas on it is a way to put it, you know? Welcome to Points Taken, a podcast about sports and sports betting and the people that make them interesting. Derek Stevens has transformed himself from an auto parts salesman to the recognizable face of the Nevada gaming industry and the savior of old Las Vegas. Or maybe Vegas transformed him. About a month before the highly anticipated opening of the Circa Resort on Fremont Street, we spoke with the affable Michigan man about his place in Vegas history and what comes next. Yeah, you know, I've got um, I've got a couple of other businesses downtown. So um, we've got the Golden Gate Hotel and Casino, which is the first um, hotel casino that I bought into in, in 2006 in downtown. And and then we've got the D Las Vegas. Uh, that's our second casino. And we've got the downtown Las Vegas Event Center. So we've uh, we've had an opportunity to grow in downtown. And, and, you know, along Fremont Street, it's really something special because you know, Fremont Street is the second most visited tourist destination in America after Times Square. So the volume of people is just just absolutely tremendous. And and for me, this project, um, you know, was the right time. It was the right location. Uh, the the whole the whole deal about it. So everything really kind of kind of matched up and uh, and uh, got us very excited about doing this project in downtown Vegas. Does, does that area is that area attractive to you because of you know the value uh, you know in, in the property there and, and that fact that uh, about the the tourist volume down there or do you have you know a sort of a, a connection to it or a, a you know a kinship to it an affinity for it because I, even watching your promotional videos today when you when you sort of go back through the the, the you know the architects of, of Vegas you you make that connection from then to now is there some sort of affinity with you personally to that area? Yeah, you know, I, I've always been a big, big fan um, uh, of Las Vegas history, and uh, you know, I've always thought that Las Vegas is rather incredible how how it always can reinvent itself. And for me personally, you know, I've had a, a lot of moments in Las Vegas that that um, you know I'll never forget from being uh, you know in my early twenties until uh, now. Uh, I've always thought that Las Vegas had the opportunity to provide a tourist, uh, you know, a customer, um, an opportunity to look up and say, wow, look at these, look at these, you know, fountains of Bellagio, look at this entrance of Caesar's palace, look at, look at what Excalibur looks like. You know, it's, it, this is an over the top city. And, and I really wanted to design something that had, had modern amenities yet, um, had, a, had some respect and reverence to the history of Las Vegas. So the gambling part is, is all part of it, but uh, the the respect and reverence for Las Vegas architecture and Las Vegas culinary and Las Vegas shopping and Las Vegas shows and entertainment and Las Vegas sports. So so for me, I wanted to create something that, that didn't just represent, you know, the 1920s or the 1950s or the 1980s or the early 2000s. It's, it's really to represent all these great eras of the, the you know, the, the great points in Vegas history. Tell me more about that, that first trip to Vegas. You said you were in your twenties. Do you remember how old you were? And just more specifically about, you know, a, a first big bet that won or didn't and, and just that being captured by the place, obviously. Yeah. My first trip to Las Vegas was in the late 1980s. And, uh, a buddy and I, uh, we stuck around and we stayed at the, uh, uh Dunes hotel. Um, I think one of the first bets I ever made was on this little horse racing game called Sigma Derby. And, uh, 
we had a lot of fun playing playing that. Um, I think my first table game bet was a, a you know a, a two dollar bet on red on a roulette wheel, and uh, my buddy and I we won enough money to be able to uh, buy a second night. So I think that uh, that worked out pretty well. And, and really, ever since then, I've had nothing but uh, those moments in Las Vegas where like, wow, this is amazing. So I wanted I wanted to give you know some thought to you know how how really amazing Las Vegas could be and. It really represents some of the some of the opportunities of uh, that Vegas could provide for so many people. You're pretty renowned for your your sports betting too. Do you remember a first big uh, ticket you cashed, or maybe one you thought you were you were gonna and didn't from that trip? You know, from a sports betting perspective, I, a lot of people ask me that question. Do you remember your sport first sports betting? And I've told everybody, you know what? You know, I don't. But I know that when I went in, I probably bet five or six games. So. Uh, you know, there's not one like that. I know, I know, uh, staying at the dunes was my first time. And I know betting Sigma Derby was uh, one of my first bets. Uh, those, those were things that really, uh, really stood out to me. You bring up Sigma Derby. I was going to ask you about that later. Cause I think it came across a news report that you're, you're having trouble get, getting coins for that or something. Well, how is Sigma Derby doing? Is it, is it operating? Is there enough change around for it to work? Yeah. You know, we, we came up with this promotion about a month ago, uh, to, uh, to, to uh, you know, quote-unquote, save Sigma Derby. And, you know, Sigma Derby's got its own fan following, almost a cult-like following. Um, you know, I think it's the only one that's uh, active in the state of Nevada. And uh, Sigma Derby has its own Facebook page. I'm not sure who runs it. It's not us. Uh, but, but you know, there's uh, so much history with the Sigma Derby. I mean, a lot of people that come to Las Vegas, they immediately come to the D because they want to make sure their first bet is on Sigma Derby. It kind of gives them good luck throughout their whole trip. So, uh, yeah, when, uh, when uh, you know, the pandemic started kind of slowing down, and all of a sudden there's this coin shortage in the United States, we came up with this promotion of, uh, you know, if you bring a pound of, pound of quarters, we're going to give you a, a, a hat. If you, buy three, if you bring in three pounds of quarters, we're going to give you a hat and a T-shirt. Uh, and it says... I helped save Sigma Derby at the D Las Vegas. We just had a lot of fun with it. And uh, what's amazing, I think we've, we've brought in now over a thousand pounds of quarters wow. from various customers. Wow. <laughs> You've got most of the quarters in the United States right now, apparently, because you still see people really out there begging for them. That's kind of funny. Yeah, we ask people to dig into, dig into their couches, look in their, look in their car cup holders, and uh, let's say Sigma Derby. Outstanding! It's a good cause. No secret to you that the, the gambling industry in general has been going through a a, a phase of, I guess, uh, confederation, consolidation. You know, companies joining into really big companies, and it seems like the the, the big personality or or the, or the face, you know, the the human face on the event or or the, or the casino is getting lost a little bit. But but you continue to be that, and you're 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 that even more. I mean. You know the your your wonderful jacket collection and making yourself available. Uh, that I would imagine that must be something you enjoy because it looks like you enjoy it. Is that a fun part of the job for you? Yeah, I mean, of course I'm. Uh, of course I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm a business guy, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I love Las Vegas. I love uh, I love sports, and and I'm fortunate. I love uh, I love meeting people. So uh, for me, it's not uh, not really uh, you know. Um, a job where I'm punching the clock. I mean, I, I've had the good fortune to be able to design a place where I like to hang out. And, uh, and we've kind of done that for, 
all of our people like that. We want them to hang out here and have a good time. And as long as you're having a good time, then, you know, it, it helps us make sure that our customers have a, have a great time. You know, we, we take that very seriously. Uh, you know, if there's someone that flies in from out of town and wants to give us 48 hours of their, of, uh, of their life, uh, you know, that's something we take very, very seriously. We want to make sure that if they spent the time to coordinate a trip, we want to give them a very memorable experience. And, and, and that's something we take very, very seriously. People come to Las Vegas for a lot of reasons, for business, for pleasure, or just to go out and have a little bit of fun. And we want to make sure that, um, you know, they're able to forget about some of the, some of the hometown worries and stuff like that. So as long as, uh, as long as you're able to enjoy yourself and whether that's getting a great meal or, or making a bet on sports or having a few drinks with your wife or your, uh, or your buddy, stuff like that, um, those are things we really want to, we want to make sure that we, uh, we perform well and we thank and respect these customers that come in and visit us. That, that talent to be able to, to put yourself out there and connect with folks generally either have it or you don't, or you like it or you don't. Did you get that, you know, gregariousness? Did you inherit it from a grandfather or, you know, is that the, is that the family style? Where did that come from? No, I, you know, it's just something like a lot of things in Vegas, things evolve. I mean, um, you know, I spent, uh, I spent a good, uh, well, good 15 years of my life wearing a blue suit, white shirt and conservative tie in, in an office. And before I came to Las Vegas, I, uh, you know, I've always, I've always enjoyed being around people. Um, and, uh, well, I guess Vegas kind of, kind of, you, you get your Vegas on it is a way to put it. You know, I think everybody, uh, everybody that comes out to Las Vegas, even if you're just visiting for, you know. 48 or 72 hours, everybody has a, more of a fun-loving personality out here. You're from Michigan, if I read cor- uh, correctly, and your family business was nuts and bolts. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's a business I, I grew up working in, correct. Um, I would imagine as fulfilling as that must have been, that could not be as exhilarating in a day as what you get to do now. Yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, every day every day is a little bit of, is a little different. Obviously, you know, sports schedules change, um, groups and trips change. So here, uh, here you got you got a little more variability. And uh, the the great thing about Las Vegas is that whether it's just a couple or whether it's a large group, um, everybody that comes to Las Vegas is excited. And uh, for me, it's uh, it's great to see. There's a lot of energy that customers bring, and uh, always puts a smile on my face. And, and hopefully. Uh, with some of our banter, it puts a smile on theirs. Now, how many of those colorful jackets do you have in the collection now, and what do you have planned for the Circa opening? Oh, you know, that started when uh, with our downtown Las Vegas event center, you know, and I made a different jacket for every different concert or band that we had. So, you know, I've, I've got... It's in the hundreds, I can tell you that. I don't know the exact count. <laughs> All right, very good. I'm, I was, I'm interested in uh, Circa. I've you know seen it written different places how you would like to be the place where betters who want to make big bets come, um, and you know that that that's interesting. Do you you know is is that the case? Why do you want that to be the case for your place? And do you think that in the future you're going to have sports books that cater to the to the big betters? And will there be places where more of the recreational and the fan types migrate? what we're trying to do is we're trying to get a solid line and and what i mean by that is is uh, we're willing to take a you know a large bet um from 
of professional players. And a lot of the professional betters get squeezed out at some of the other properties. And we're willing to take a large bet. And, and uh, the more large bets you take, the more solid your line is. Mm-hmm. So we, we're not shying away from the professional betters. Um, we know that there's going to be quite a few professional betters that are going to, over the course of a year, are going to be, beat the house. And we're, we're just really not afraid of that. We, we think it, it, it actually helps us a bit by, by being able to be in a position where we can, um, we can have a more solid line. And it allows us to let the, I guess, more casual better to know that they're betting into a solid and fair line. And, and if they hit it big, they have a chance of getting get a big payout. How did you make the leap from uh, a guy from Michigan in business there who who would go to Vegas and have fun to someone who is in who is interested in getting into the industry uh, initially? Well, I would say that this more has to do with the fact you know I'm 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 truly a you know I'm a business guy and uh, I uh, I enjoy I enjoy business um, I love running businesses i love growing businesses i love growing management teams and and i guess to some degree um you know that's really at my core um i'm really a business guy and uh you know things in vegas kind of evolved where you know i I kind of became a front man on some marketing components and things like that and and uh you know, I'm just kind of my own personality. Uh, you know, maybe I became a front man because we couldn't afford, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, other advertising. The things just kind of old like that. And I always thought that, you know, the fact that we're privately held is, is, a, is a big advantage. Um, you know, we make a lot of decisions, sometimes quick, quick business decisions and quick marketing decisions. And um, I've always joked with people that we make more bad decisions than anybody else, maybe because we make a lot of them, <laughs> you know, and if, if we uh, come up with an idea and a plan that doesn't work, well, we're going to learn from it and we're not going to do it again, but uh, we might hit a couple home runs there and be able to run with it. Do you feel the pressure of all the consolidation going on and, or do you get cold calls or inquisitive calls about whether you'd be wanting to, uh, you know, sell a, a stake to someone else and sort of, Join in this game of uh, risk that seems to be going on. Oh yeah, I mean, I get calls like that, you know, frequently. But I've been getting those for twenty-five years, so um, it's not really of interest. I like growing our own businesses. I, I read somewhere. I wasn't sure if the person was joking or not. Did Did you decide to buy into or buy the Golden Gate after going while on vacation there in in, in the mid two thousands? Because that's kind of a cool story, if true. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I was. Uh, I was uh, on vacation and uh, we, um, we, uh, you know, that, that's a, it's a pretty good story in as much as, yes, I did, uh, I did walk into the Golden Gate in t-shirts and flip-flops and shorts and I happened to pick up a house phone and talk to the owner and asked if he was interested in selling, selling an interest and uh, all that, all those stories are true. Um, I would tell you though, um, you know, two years prior to that, my brother and I were, uh, had been very active about moving an investment portfolio to Nevada, you know, because of no income tax. And, and as, as part of the process, we, we were in process of, uh, of doing that. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm far more interested in being involved in, in an industry. And uh, I've always enjoyed uh, math. I've always enjoyed the, the gaming uh, industry at that point as a, as a consumer. 
and um, yeah, we had the ability to, to purchase into the Golden Gate at that point. But uh, it's the story would not be uh, the spirit of the story is not that we walked into a casino and we just bought it on a whim. Yeah. We'd uh, we've done considerable market research and uh, we've been working on on, on various elements of uh, moving some of our investment business to Las Vegas for a couple of years prior to that. What year was that that you walked in and picked up the house phone? Um, it was in 2006. 2006. Spring. Okay. But uh, <laughs> the, the flip-flops is, is a good visual with the story that, that does turn it into a great story, I think. <laughs> I mean, but really, you didn't come in with like a, you know, a three-piece suit and a briefcase. It's just like we just walking by and you're like, okay, we, we've been thinking about it, but damn it, we're standing here. I mean, that, that's the part that, that interests me that you just went in then. No, we were we were out with my my wife and I were out with a few couples and we were out at the pool and you know t-shirts flip flops on it was hot out and uh, my my couple of buddies said hey let's jump in the car let's go check out a couple of places so we we checked out a few casinos and uh, and uh, we had walked in and um, and this uh, in the Golden Gate the owner was there and we spoke to him and um you know we i would say we initially hit it off uh the fact that i was in flip-flops and a t-shirt was was questionable but <laughs> we we immediately scheduled a meeting for the following day and all uh all three of us suited up you know in our blue suits and white shirts and ties and we had a, a little more formal discussion as we you know say in michigan uh background they've got uh casinos and they've got sports betting there um any interest in one day trying to you know reconquer the the homeland there are you are you gonna are you a vegas guy now you're just gonna you know stay there and obviously you got colorado and just slowly move other places yeah we um you know we're, we're certainly interested in um in um in, in in las vegas and we're interested in growing our circus sports brand into other states so we've done that um now in colorado and from a circuit sports perspective, we are, you know, we certainly would be interested in growing into other states. Colorado, uh, obviously, it, it's gotten a lot of attention. There's a lot of interesting things going there. J- just in your opinion, what makes that uh, such a really interesting place and a place that you wanted to be? Well, you know, when you look at other jurisdictions, you know, the, the critical critical variables are our potential size of market and the regulatory environment and um, really the secondary issues is is the big determining factor um i, I believe uh, we, we we have believed colorado set up the, the best regulatory framework um uh, for sports wagering outside of the state of nevada mm-hmm. and um you know we worked with the colorado game commission and uh we felt that they set up the the most appropriate regulatory environment and tax structure to allow that to be a very vibrant market um, some states did not do that. Um, you know, if you take, uh, I can give you a couple of states that I think set up a regulatory and tax environment that's to their, to their own detriment. Uh, you know, uh, Illinois is probably the, 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 the one that stands out the most as, as far, as far as, um, really limiting the interest of, uh, sports book providers just because of their regulatory environment. And then you take a look at, let's say, the state of Montana. Uh, Montana um, set up what I would say would be a a trial period for sports betting for a couple of years, 
Um, they do have mobile, but the mobile is geolocated only inside of certain bars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, it's not something where you can make a wager while you're at your house or something like that. Now, Montana always said, because they were a very, very early adopter, Montana always said, we're going to, we're going to go at this slow and we're going to, we're going to see how different states come out and then we will adjust our regulatory environment. So that's what's happened in Montana. So Montana might be a state that when they come out and they see how well uh, Colorado's done, they see how well New Jersey's done, you know, they're, they're probably going to, um, you know, change some of their environment that's going to more follow those states as opposed to what Illinois did. I haven't talked to anyone in your position that advocates for like a federal sports betting law, but how difficult is it for someone, a company like yours or any company, you know, a gaming company to go state by state where the rules, no one is control C, control V. Everyone's a little different. There just seems like a lot to work through as you try to plan your strategy where you want to be nationally. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really disagree. Um, a federal component is, I mean, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. I mean, you know, when uh, PASPA came out, it was really based upon a state's rights issue. Mm-hmm. So what what uh, what took place was, you know, every state's in control of their own situation. And I think there's been some good that's come out of it and some bad. Um, a federal a federal element would take, uh, you know, a, a, a completely different uh, uh, set of federal rules and regulations for that to take place. Probably because we're coming up on an election, betting on politics has, has been a sort of a hot topic recently. Um, do you think that we will ever see that in the U.S.? Obviously, there's going to have to be some laws changed to do that. Do you think it's a good idea? And do you think people in the U.S. would be interested in it? They certainly are in other parts of the world, but do you think Americans would care? Yeah, you know, um, I would tell you that I, I don't think, like, when you when you see these offshore offshore um, lines of, of, you know, U.S. presidential betting and things like that, I really don't take them all that seriously. Um, they're limited action markets, basically small sample size. And um, I don't, I don't, um, I don't believe it's really a true market. I mean, the, the, the wagers that they take are not that large. Um, the, the variability in the quick movements of, of probabilities and the odds on presidential betting, um, it's not something that I, that I take currently very seriously. Um, if, uh, if the question then comes to, would, we, would I be supportive of it in the United States? And, and um, you know, I would say uh, um, I would be someone that would lean against Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily know that it's a, it's a positive thing for our country. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I, uh, but I just, I, I'm more indifferent, but I would, I would be a lean against, I, I don't know how this benefits, how it would benefit anyone, um, uh, to have presidential betting. That was Derek Stevens. I'm Brant James, and this was Points Taken. Thanks for listening.